This past week was a pretty full work week for me. It was the last week before one of my teammates was about to leave or is about to leave for a six-month sabbatical. So all of us and she were all rushing around trying to make sure we got done everything that we needed to do with her before she left. This colleague plays a pretty integral part in a lot of our team activities and projects, so we're definitely going to feel her absence. But fortunately, she is also very organized. So for the past couple of weeks, we've been having several meetings with her, individually, each of us, and then as a team, to go over the handoff of responsibilities and to make sure that we all know what's going to happen once she's gone. And then finally, this past Thursday, at our team meeting, we had our final farewell message and parting instructions from her. Well, in today's scripture, John 15, we find ourselves in the middle of a farewell message and parting instructions that Jesus is giving his disciples in anticipation of his approaching departure. Last Sunday, in the chapter before, in John 14, we saw the disciples grapple with anxiety about the unknown future. Where was Jesus going? They asked. How would they know the way to get there? Jesus offered them comfort, pointing them to a future certainty in the midst of present uncertainty. My father's house has many rooms, he said. I am going there to prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me. My father will send the advocate, the Holy Spirit, in my name. The disciples can know that their future is secure. But what about right now? How are they supposed to live right now in the meantime? Where is their home right now? Here in John 15, Jesus offers them the image of a vine. I am the true vine, he says. This is the last of seven I am statements that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. Just before this, in John 14, Jesus told his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And now Jesus tells them, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. I am the vine, you are the branches. In the midst of uncertainty, trusting that Jesus is securing their future, but facing so many unknowns about what exactly the coming days and weeks are going to bring, this is their answer. This is how they are to live now, as branches in the vine. The future life that Jesus promises them is lived now, in the present, at home in the vine. This is where they belong, remaining in the vine of Jesus. Jesus plays with this vine imagery throughout the passage, weaving in and out from metaphor to literal language, in the same way a vine grows, weaving in and out and around. There's a lot of repetition of language, lots of branches, lots of pruning, lots of fruit, lots of love, and at its center, lots of remaining. A branch must remain in the vine. Jesus' followers must remain in Jesus and in his love, and Jesus and his words must remain in them. Eugene Peterson, in the message, translates this word remain or abide as make yourself at home. Make yourself at home in me as I do in you, Jesus says. 
Make yourself at home in my love. When we respond to Jesus' invitation to find our home in him, we experience a life of intimate connection with Jesus, a life that bears fruit of righteousness, justice, and love, and a life that is rooted and shaped by the sacrificial love of Jesus that we ultimately see on the cross. Life in the vine is characterized by dependent intimacy. Branches are physically grafted into the vine. There's no physical distance between the vine and the branch. There's nothing about the branch that isn't totally entwined with the vine. Branches are dependent on the vine for everything. They are utterly and completely sustained by the vine. My almost eight-month-old daughter is very tactile. Like many babies, she loves human touch. She especially loves to grasp onto and hold onto hands. So many hours of my week are spent with her small hand around my finger, refusing to let go. And I admit I love this. I think it's adorable, very, really sweet, and, um, and just really endearing. But I have to also say that there are times when I kind of wish that my hand was detachable. It would certainly make life a lot more convenient, especially when I'm driving in the front of the car and she's screaming in the back of the car inconsolable, or at night when she insists on my finger to soothe her and protest as soon as I take it away. But I think she's onto something. She knows she is dependent. She knows on whom she is dependent. And she is very determined to not let go of her people. She maintains a physical connection, and that connection comforts her. It puts her at rest so that she can sleep, or so that she can tolerate the frustration of another car ride to who knows where. The physical connection guarantees that she is close to the one who feeds her, the one who gives her relief from a dirty diaper, who soothes her, the one who is the source of everything that she needs to sustain her life. I think that this is what it means to live in the vine, to be at home in the vine. Branches know that they are dependent on the vine for everything. There's no pretending otherwise. There's no pretending that they can make their own food or grow their own fruit. The connection with the vine is everything. For followers of Jesus, life in the vine is a life of dependency and intimacy. We don't get to pretend that we are self-sufficient and that we can provide for ourselves. Remaining in Jesus is an invitation to vulnerability. We certainly don't live in a culture or city for that matter that celebrates self-sufficiency and dependency, or sorry, that celebrates dependency we are much more likely to celebrate power and control and self-sufficiency. Our culture likes to tell narratives of self-made achievement and success. But a branch has no story of self-made achievement and success. The branch is only successful, only fruitful, when it is utterly dependent, when it is connected to its source, the vine. I work on a remote team at 
in my workplace, so I spend many hours on video conference calls every week. A lot of our work is collaborative, so we've set up a regular weekly meeting um, for the whole team that lasts three hours, sometimes more. For the longest time, without fail, at some point in that meeting, my boss, who has given me permission to share this story, um, would all of a sudden disappear from the call, from the screen, often in the middle of his own sentence. Now this would happen, oh, and then we'd get a, a minute later, we'd get a text saying, oh, my battery died, I'm so sorry, and he'd run and get his charger, he'd plug in his computer, restart his computer, and then finally rejoin the call. Now this would happen every week, pretty much. And although he would be the first to say that he's not the most organized person, it's not his primary strength, still the rest of us couldn't figure out how he could forget every single time that he needed to bring his battery charger to this meeting, that his battery was not, his, his computer was not going to last the duration of the meeting without being plugged into a power source. Well, it turned out that he actually wasn't exactly forgetting. He finally confessed to us one time when we kind of cornered him that he just really loves the feeling of freedom, of not having his laptop plugged in. He just loves the freedom that he can go anywhere without his battery pack, even though experience had shown him time and again that his laptop couldn't survive the whole meeting away from its source. The idea of being dependent can feel uncomfortable. It is vulnerable. But if you are a laptop with an old battery, being connected to a power source is good news. If you are a branch, being connected to the vine is good news. If you are a person, being connected to the one who gives you life is good news. It is not limiting. It is life-sustaining. It is life-giving. It actually gives you more freedom. Jesus says, when you remain in me, ask of me whatever you wish. And in contrast to that, he says, without me, you can do nothing. Life in the vine is fruitful. The gardener tends to the vine. The gardener prunes the branches in order to produce more fruit. You see, this vine is not a mere decorative plant. It is a fruit-bearing plant. It has a purpose. The fruit is tangible evidence that everything is working. Tangible evidence that the branch is healthy, that it's getting what it needs from the vine to thrive. Fruit is evidence that the branch is alive. In the Old Testament, uh, vineyard imagery is often used to describe the Lord's relationship with Israel. In Isaiah 5, 1 through 7, the prophet Isaiah writes a beautiful song about God's love and care for the vineyard, the nation of Israel, and the people of God, the vines. In the song, the vineyard owner tends to the vines, planting them in fertile soil, clearing out the stones, but the vines fail to produce a good crop of fruit. When the vineyard owner looks for good grapes, he finds only bad ones. At the end of the song, as the allegory is explained, Isaiah writes of the Lord, He looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard, heard cries of distress. Healthy vines in the Lord's vineyard will produce good fruit, 
fruit of righteousness and justice. And in the same way, in John 15, healthy branches, branches that are connected to the vine of Jesus, branches that are pruned, cultivated, tended to by the Father, these healthy branches will bear fruit, and more fruit, and more fruit. And the fruit that they bear will look like Jesus. Fruit of righteousness, justice, and love. This is my command, Jesus says, that you love one another as I have loved you. Our lives are meant to bear fruit, fruit that lasts. Life at home in the vine is a fruit-filled life. Remaining in Jesus leads to a life characterized by righteousness, justice, and love. In my own context, working in campus ministry, I have sometimes felt a tension between remaining and producing fruit or producing results, if you will. Many of the practices that help me remain in Jesus, remain connected to Jesus' love, practices of prayer or Sabbath rest, retreats, meditating on scripture, these take up time, time that could be spent doing so many other good and necessary things. They don't feel very productive. They certainly don't check off things on my long to-do list. But I love this passage because the image of the vine and the branches reveal that any tension or conflict between remaining and producing, between being and doing, between the inner and the outer life, any tension or conflict there is false. In the vine, there is no producing without remaining. There, our life of action, our doing, is rooted in our being with Jesus. And the richness of our, of our inner life and connection to Jesus is visible in outer fruit. Later this April, I'll be leading a pilgrimage exploring the lives and witness of Claire and Francis, uh, yeah, Claire and Francis of Assisi, two individuals who lived 800 years ago in Umbria, Italy. Claire has become one of my personal heroes as I have learned about her over the past few years. She was a strong spiritual leader. She made radical decisions to give up her wealth and status to follow Jesus more closely. She created a community that welcomed in women from all backgrounds and walks of life. And it was a community that was devoted to caring for those with sickness or with other needs. But above all, Claire was a lover of Jesus. She cultivated a rich life of connection with Jesus. There is a courtyard in the dormitory of the church where she lived. And Claire would go and sometimes spend hours in prayer with Jesus in this courtyard. The other woman in her community reported that often when she came back from prayer, her face would be physically glowing. Now, I don't know if these reports are exaggerated, but the way I see it, they illustrate the connection between Claire's interior and exterior life. Her connection to Jesus, to the vine, was so deep and rich that it was visible in a physical way to those around her. The connection to the vine produced visible fruit in her life, in her leadership, in her service to the vulnerable in her community, in her ministry of healing and peacemaking. Life lived in the vine, at home in the vine, 
bears fruit. But Jesus' primary instruction to his followers is not bear fruit. It is remain. If we long for a life that bears fruit of righteousness, justice, and love, we must shift our eyes to our source. Are we remaining in the vine? Are we remaining in Jesus, in Jesus' love? Is Jesus' word remaining in us? When we remain in the vine, we are swept into the life of love between the Father and the Son. We are rooted in Jesus' love for us. We are commanded to love others as Jesus has loved us. Remaining in this kind of loving relationship with Jesus will produce fruit. When we make our home in Jesus' love, in the self-sacrificing, unconditional, embracing love of Jesus, we are in a place where God can shape and form us to look more like that love, to think more like that love, and to act more like that love. Life in the vine is rooted in and shaped by the love of Jesus. Now, this is a love that Jesus showed his followers just a couple chapters earlier in John, as he took on the role of a servant, got down, and washed his disciples' feet. An act of love, a posture so humble that, as we saw two weeks ago in Pastor Andrew's sermon, Peter didn't want to receive it at first. But... Jesus knows that his followers need this loving act, and he explains that they need to be cleansed by him. I mean, literally, their feet were dirty, but they need it in a deeper way. They need to receive the cleansing love of Jesus. In John 15, the word, the Greek word for prune, has the same root as the word to cleanse. You see, Jesus' love is so great that it is not satisfied to leave his followers as they are. It is a pruning love, a cleansing love, a love that will do what it takes, becoming a servant, dying on a cross, so that his followers are not left in their sin, brokenness, and shame. It is a love that gives everything so that the branches, so that we can have thriving, abundant life. There is a postcard that I found a couple of years ago when I was visiting Sacré-Cœur Cathedral in Paris. And I keep it by my desk. I put it up on the wall by my desk to remind me to remain in Jesus, to be at home in Jesus' love. It's a picture of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, and it says, Laissez l'amour vous aimer. Let love love you. Let the one who is love love you. When I see this postcard at my desk, it reminds me that I need to be rooted in Jesus's love. I need to let Jesus wash my feet. I need to let Jesus cleanse me and prune me. I need to receive the cleansing, forgiving, healing, restoring love of Jesus. My work, my ministry, my relationships with my family and my community, all of those suffer when I'm not resting in Jesus' love. When I am not letting love love me, I start to feel like a shriveled branch. 
I get to be too hard on myself instead of living in grace. I get too preoccupied with my achievements or with my flaws and lack of achievements. I find myself grasping for control of situations or of people. And my orientation towards those around me becomes more critical, more impatient, more judgmental. When I am not rooted in the transforming love of Jesus, when I'm focused on trying to sustain my own life rather than being sustained by Jesus' life, I don't have time for the vulnerable around me. But when I am letting love love me, when I am rooted in Jesus' restoring, cleansing love, then it becomes joyful and freeing to love others as I have been loved. Remaining in the vine is a life of receiving Jesus' love, of embracing dependency on Jesus for everything. Remaining in the vine is an invitation to participate in the life of love that we see in Jesus and the Father, an invitation to let this love feed you, sustain you, so that, you, so that the fruit you produce demonstrates this love to others. So hear Jesus' invitation to you. Remain in me. Remain in my love. Let my word remain in you. Make yourself at home in my love. Make my word at home in you. So what will this look like for you? What will this look like for us? What kinds of practices will help you remain in Jesus' love in this day and age and during this season of your life? What kinds of practices will help us be a community of branches that remain in Jesus right now? What is a practice that will help you grasp on to Jesus, remaining in him as his word remains in you? Perhaps it could be a practice of meditating on scripture throughout your week, writing a verse on a note card and carrying it in your pocket or wallet or putting it as a screensaver on your phone, um, someplace visible so that you keep seeing it and coming back to it as you go about your day or week. What about a practice that connects you to Jesus as your source? A few years ago, Brian and I started a practice of sharing out loud three gratitudes each day. It sounds really simple, and it is really simple, but it was profoundly helpful. It helped us look for and see God's gifts and provision in both big and small ways. It helped us remember that God is our provider. We don't all have a beautiful courtyard to go and pray for hours like Claire, but I find it helpful to have a physical space that I return to regularly to connect to God in prayer. It could be a certain chair or a room in your home. For me, there's a path in Rock Creek Park near our house where I like to walk. But when I'm there, it's like my body reminds my mind and soul that this is a place to be present and listen to God and receive. What about a practice that could remind you of Jesus' sacrificial love for his people? Maybe it's a community practice of worshiping here on Sunday together or in a small group setting. If you're like me and need reminders, maybe you set a phone alarm at a certain time each day or have visual reminders like the postcard that I put up by my desk. Reminders to pause and pray and practice God's presence. 
I actually have a list of practices that help me remain in Jesus that I typed out a few years ago and posted on the wall by my desk, another thing by my desk, um, because I need those reminders of how to stay connected to the vine, how to remain. And actually, I'm realizing that I need to revisit that old list because I'm finding that right now, with a young baby, some of these old practices just don't fit anymore. And I need to figure out what it looks like for me to remain in Jesus during this season. And it's different than it was in a former season. As you think through your coming week with all of its realities, what is one way that you can practice remaining connected to Jesus? As the Father has loved me, Jesus says, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Be at home in the vine, where dependency and intimacy with Jesus is the source of a fruitful, thriving life. Be at home in the vine, where the love of Jesus cleanses, prunes, heals, and restores, so that we can love others as we have been loved. Amen.